made in the UK for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Well, I can't quite believe it. We've been doing this podcast for half a year now. It feels both longer and shorter in so many different ways. Here's what we've got coming up on today's show. And then everything's different. You're in a new reality and it is scary. It is very easy to get in the mindset of, I'm just kind of going down with the ship, but you don't need to do that. We're also gonna be talking about something which on the surface doesn't seem cool, but as business owners, we all know how important it is and why we've got to keep a grip on it because it keeps us up at night. It's cash flow management. And I'm going to be answering a question from a listener about is there any way that we can make tech cool for the prospects that we want to engage with on social media? Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. One of the fastest ways to grow your business is actually not to try and do it organically by adding new clients, but instead to go out and acquire a competitor. And I'm a big fan of acquisitions. One of my best friends is Jonathan Jay, who if you listen to episode 10 of the podcast, he was on then talking about acquiring businesses. It's what he teaches people to do, to buy and sell businesses. And I myself are looking at acquiring some businesses this year in my town where I live of Milton Keynes. I'm not interested in MSPs, but I'll tell you what is interesting right now with the way that things are right now. I think this is potentially some opportunities coming up for you you to acquire something. And I know there's going to be opportunities for me to acquire something in the next six months ahead. Now, I must start right from the start by saying with everything that's happening right now and the impact it's had on businesses is unfortunate that some businesses are just simply not going to do well out of this. They're going to really struggle. They're going to struggle to get back on their feet. And I realize I risk criticism of you know people saying you're profiteering on this, Paul. You're cashing in on other people's misery. You've got to understand that a business which gets into trouble really quickly off the back of what we're talking about here of you know the current situation they were already struggling before we went into the current situation all this has done is this has accelerated i mean at some scale but it has accelerated the business problems of those businesses that were going to fall over they were always going to fall over anyway and i think you actually owe it to the staff and the clients of these businesses that were going to fall over to pick up those businesses and to fix them and to integrate them with your existing operations so that the staff continue to have a job and the clients continue to have IT support. And that's certainly the way that I'm viewing it. Whatever it is that I go and buy this year, and I'm looking to buy one or two businesses, see if I can even put them together in some way, I will be aware that a business owner somewhere has suffered in some way or has put their business up for sale and perhaps they're not able to sell it for as much as they had hoped for when they thought they would sell their business. And I will handle this in the most sensitive way that I can. And I will try to make sure that that person gets a great deal, but also that I get a great deal because I've got the hard work of turning that business around and fixing that business. And of course, you know, the the cash impact as well. I'm going to be taking on the risk of looking after that business. So maybe that's the opportunity for you over the next six to 12 months is to say, right, some of my competitors are struggling. They're going to struggle more. They've got a client base. They're probably not servicing that client base as well as I can service them. How can I acquire that business? 
And I think the very first step for you is to actually contact all of your competitors, literally just write them a letter. Hi, this is me. I'm based just down the road from you. I just wanted to say, if ever you're thinking of selling your business, I'd love to have a chat with you. The first step would be a confidential coffee or beer. Let's just go and have a chat, see if we think we can work together and we can always take things from there. And what you're looking for is, you know, you might send that to 50 competitors in your town, in neighboring towns, and you might get one or two people responding off the back of that. And what we're looking for is those people who are at that point in their mind where actually, yes, they're ready to have a conversation. They're starting to think, oh my goodness, business has been impacted so badly by what's been happening over the last few weeks and months, or they've just had enough. Essentially, what you're kind of looking for, you're either looking for distressed businesses, or better still, you're looking for good businesses with distressed owners. And these are people who, for whatever reason, maybe it's illness, maybe Maybe it's just tiredness. Maybe it is the impact of what's been happening and they just they just cannot, they haven't got the energy to build it all up again. And believe me, we all feel like that sometimes, but these people feel like that over a longer period of time. You're looking for those people and if you can find those people and if they are at that point where they just can't and don't want to do it anymore, you actually potentially are a knight in white armor swooping in to go and help those people. A few weeks ago, back in episode 21, we know that the average MSP is valued at one times recurring revenue or annual recurring revenue. So add up all the recurring revenue, the monthly recurring revenue and the annual recurring revenue and whatever that comes to, that's what the business is typically worth. That seems to be becoming the standard valuation for an MSP. So you can say this to your competitor and you can say, look, this is what your business is worth. This is what I'd be willing to pay for it. And actually, you're a hell of a lot closer to a deal if you've got a valuation that you can both agree on. Now, you don't need to pay cash up front because no one pays cash up front for a business. You can agree a deferred deal where you're paying for the business over one, two or three years. So essentially, you're paying for the business out of cash flow. And there's massive, massive advantages for you of doing this because you're integrating it into your existing operations. You know, you can take their best techs and integrate them into your operations. You can take their clients and integrate them into your existing account management. You can take their technology stack and know that over two to three years, you can transition their clients from their technology stack into your technology stack. But this is the advantage that you would have over, say, someone like me. Whatever kind of B2B business I'm going to acquire, I've got to start from scratch. I've got to learn that business. I've got to learn how it operates. And I've got to work with the resources that I've bought. You've got a massive advantage in that you're just buying clients and you can service them with your existing operations. And so long as you can do a better job of that than the business that you've bought, the chances of you keeping most of those clients are very high. Now, acquisition is not for everyone. It's a time-consuming thing to do. It's incredibly energy-consuming, and it's very, very difficult work in the first couple of years. But for some people listening to this, acquisition is absolutely a very smart route forward, and you can grow your business dramatically, hundreds of percent worth of growth every year instead of 10 or 20% worth of growth, because it is a hell of a lot faster than growing organically. Here's this week's clever idea. I really do try my hardest only to talk about interesting subjects on this podcast. And the next one is potentially a slightly dull subject, but my goodness, it's important. And the subject is cash flow. 
Now, we all know as business owners that cash flow is the thing that's most likely to have us awake at four in the morning. You know what it, you know how it works. You get up, you go to the bathroom and you go back to bed and you can't sleep because things are whirring through your head. And cash flow is such a destructive, worrying thing if the cash flow is negative. Because, you know, businesses don't go under because they're not profitable. They go under because they don't have great cash flow. And just talking there as we were about acquisition, one of the reasons that a competitor might be up for sale or you might be able to acquire them is because their cash flow is in trouble. They could be unprofitable for years and that's not really a massive issue. I mean, it's, it's an issue for the owner in terms of personal income. But when the cash flow is wrong, that's when things go badly very, very quickly. And it's why businesses get into trouble and it's why businesses go under. Now, I've got a number of things that I recommend that you do to monitor your own cash flow, just to keep on track of it. The first of those is to make sure you know your figures. So you need to know what's the cash that's in the bank. If you take credit card payments and the card company's holding on to a chunk of that in case of chargebacks, what are they holding on to? Um, you should be doing some regular cash flow reports. I mean, weekly, I would say, is a minimum. And cash flow reports and forecasting literally what's coming in and what's coming out. In the next week, is more money coming in than is going out. Because if it's not, then you need to be aware that there need to be some funds in the bank account to absorb that. You should perhaps ask your bookkeeper or your accountant for management reports so you can see what's happening with the P&L on a monthly basis. It's, it amazes me how many MSPs try and run their business without management reports. You've got to know what's happening, not just 12 months ago from you, your actual P&L profit and loss, but you need to know what's happened within the last month. Second thing I suggest that you do is you regularly review your overhead. So your utilities, your rent, your phones, your insurance, anything that's a fixed cost. And that's a fairly commoditized one where you can switch to another supplier and it's more or less exactly the same. In fact, you know, anything like utilities or insurance, as long as you're comparing like for like, if you can get better terms elsewhere, then do go and do that. And talking of better terms, you should also be talking to your suppliers. Now, some of the big vendors, they're not going to be interested in talking to you about this, but some of your smaller suppliers will, you might be able to ask for better terms. For example, if they normally offer you 30 days, why not just ask for 60 days? You never know. They might come back and say, well, look, we can't do 60, but maybe we'll do 45 days and we can do that for the next year. Often, particularly if you have uh, you know, someone who's account managing you, there will be an accounts department somewhere that rubber stamps their decisions. Their job, they're bonused on keeping you as a client. So you come back and you say, look, we're willing to pay. We're OK with cash flow. We're just trying to improve our credit terms right now. Can we have 60 days, please? And they're not going to judge you on this. They're not going to think that your business is failing. They'll just trot off to accounts, ask accounts to see if that's okay. And suddenly you've got yourself 60 days to pay. Now, what that does is that just gives you another 30 days or another 15 days or whatever it is that your cash is sat in your bank account instead of their bank account. And good cash flow says that it's always better that your cash is sat in your bank account rather than someone else's bank account. Something else that you should be focusing on is making sure you're getting cash up front. So your clients should be paying up front for everything. And I hope that you've either got them on direct debit if you're in the UK or get authorized to take card payments from them if you're in other parts of the world. And when clients order something, well, you should be taking money from them up front regardless. So their monthly recurring payment, that should come out early on in the month and that should be automatic. And then when they order something new, like a new piece of hardware, you should be taking the cash for that up front. 
That's really important. Because if you spend, say, £500 on a new laptop for someone and you have to pay for that fairly quickly, but your client isn't paying for 30 days, you know, there's a gap, isn't there? There's a gap between the point at which the money has left your bank account and the money from your client has turned up to replace that money in your bank account. And if there's a gap there of 10 days, that's 10 days where you have subsidized your client's purchase from a cash point of view. Well, you're not a bank. You're not a credit card company. They should be paying upfront for this technology because if they walked into any other store, they'd have to pay for that upfront before they got it. Now, these are some very, very simple things, but when you put them into place and you systemize them within the business, they can have a fairly dramatic effect over the long term. And I don't believe that any business owner should ever have to worry about cash flow because bad cash flow often, not always, but often it comes because of a lack of design, because there's a lack of systems, a lack of thinking through. How do we get that cash in quicker than it's going out? How do we keep more of that cash in our bank account for longer? When you approach this from a systematic point of view and it's done by design, it makes the cash flow so much less stressful. Paul's blatant plug. Tell me you've got a copy of my book. I mean, a physical paperback copy, because nearly 2,000 MSPs worldwide now have a copy. It's called Updating Servers Doesn't Grow Your Business. And paperback copies are available in the UK and the USA. This is about how to target and win higher quality clients who stay longer, spend more and whinge less. We talk about how most people who buy from you are uneducated buyers. So they're not picking a new IT support company with their brain. They're not making a cognitive decision. They're making an emotional decision with their heart. And we talk about all sorts of other stuff in there, including some of the marketing that you really shouldn't be doing. Now, if you want to get a free copy of this and it's completely free, there's no catch. We'll post a paperback copy to you at my cost. If you're in the UK or if you're in the US, everywhere else in the world, we will send you a copy of that on PDF. All you've got to do is go to my website. It's paulgreensmspmarketing.com. And then in the navigation, just click on the bit that says free book. The big interview. Hi, my name is Heather Johnson, and I'm here with Brian Johnson. We're both from Gozinta. We are a software development company that helps support MSPs, make their life easier. And we're going to talk about some of our business experiences in making pivots in a time of chaos. And we are in a time of chaos right now. And we recorded this interview a few weeks before it was broadcast. So we're at time of recording. Uh, much of the world is in lockdown. Corona is still very much a, a fast changing situation at the time of broadcast. Obviously, we have no idea what's going to be happening. But we do know that uh, from an economical point of view, um, everything's going to change. Um, even though we, we may come back to some kind of normality, perhaps by the end of the year, and it's going to be a new kind of normal. And no one really knows where that's going to go. So Heather, you have a uh, an MBA and you've been mentoring lots of startups. You, you talked about finding opportunities amongst the chaos. Do you see lots of opportunity in the, the uncertain way ahead? The big thing is picking your head up and seeing what's around you. It's always hard when you get that list of things that you want to accomplish to take a moment and listen just kind of breathe it all in and see what are the needs out there? Is there something that you can do to support that? Is there something that you can do to adjust? There's a alcohol distillery in our area that now is making hand sanitizer. So very quickly, we're able to retool and, and be able to provide something like that. So lift your head up, 
take a breath and look for what's around you. So I've been talking to a lot of my MSPs um, that I work with, in fact, quite intently, oh, intensely over the last uh, few weeks. And um, the vast majority of them have a great mindset for that and are looking at the opportunities, such as the short-term opportunities to generate more break-fix work, uh, maybe even take on some domestic customers uh, in the short term. No one really wants those long-term, but in the short term that can work. Brian, from your point of view, is that the kind of thing that you think MSPs should be doing and, and looking for those kind of opportunities. We've been having a lot of conversations with MSPs lately as well, as you, I'm sure you can imagine. I was on a, a Zoom call with a bunch of small MSPs yesterday. I've seen some of it where they seem to be taking a, a very good approach and it's like, okay, you know, how can we make ourselves stronger through this? How can we grow through this? And then some are a lot more protectionary. All right, how do I defend what I have and, and stop the bleeding? And you, uh, not to say you don't need to take actions to stop the bleeding, but I really love the the ones that are able to take this and look for where are my new opportunities coming out of this so I can try to grow my way through this and outgrow the losses. I was part of a small MSP during the last recession in 2008 and 2009. Obviously, this is looking like it's going to shape up to be a lot worse than that, but I think the same principles apply. And we did manage to grow our MSP through that time and ended up coming out of it quite successfully. And you just need to be looking at it in the way to make that happen. So what did you do specifically to, to grow the MSP during that last recession? Was it just focusing on the basics? Yeah, focusing on what our customers needed. And, and, you know, if you're a small MSP, there's a big market right now. What we're seeing, the way I'm looking at it, is the need for IT support is growing in what's happening now. More people are working from home. They need more support than usual. So the opportunity should be growing for MSPs. Certain market segments are taking a nosedive, but there are a lot of market segments that are doing okay. And there are some that are booming. So let's focus on those market segments and figure out how we can serve them in the best way. Heather, from the work that you do mentoring other businesses, what do you think are the things that stop people from being able to see those opportunities? Is it simply a case of having the wrong mindset or is it just a case of, of mentally being in the wrong place and panicking a little bit more than, than actually you're seeing it, the opportunities? I think it's a combination of both. You know, you have your, your list and, and you have your goals, you have, and then everything's different. You're in a new reality and it is scary. It is very easy to get in the mindset of, well, I'm just kind of going down with the ship, but you don't need to do that. There's going to be a new look to the workforce now that people are working from home there will be companies that think, well, this is a good opportunity. This will cut some costs, but there are obstacles in a remote workforce and, you know, focusing on that more, the MSPs can provide and, and support. Not everybody is built to work at, at home. And just because they're quiet doesn't mean they're happy. So helping MSPs customers to be able to have a successful work environment is a great way to pivot in this kind of environment. If you owned an MSP again tomorrow, uh, what would you be doing right now to absolutely make the most of the situation? So you've talked about listening to your customers. Can you give us some specific things that, that you would do if you're in that situation? I think the communication is extremely important and building that relationship, you know, not just what do you need, 
but sometimes your customer doesn't know what they need. So having a conversation of just what's going on in general, there might be something that the MSP can provide that the customer doesn't even know is available to them. I worked at a graduate school in HR. I was the director of HR. I was looking for a database software because I was really struggling with keeping track of attendance and timekeeping. I had no idea who our MSP was, but also that that was something that they provided provided. They, uh, to me, were the people I called if my printer wasn't working. So those conversations, when you start having those and can see, oh, you're having a hard time with time, I can be there for that. Uh, You're having a hard time knowing if your remote workers functioning well in their environment, I can provide some assistance and support to you there as well. That's such a good idea. That whole thing of we, we assume that people know everything that we can offer because it's there on the website, even though we know that people don't read the website. Uh, but that's such a, that's such a good uh, point. So you should be, con- in fact, it's the reason why you should be constantly be doing strategic reviews with your clients. It boils down into being that trusted advisor. The whole point of the strategic review and the virtual CIO stuff, it's you're their IT lead. You are their trusted advisor for everything related to IT. And it doesn't even have to be directly related to to IT. It can be about sharing things that you've learned from your other clients and from the wider internet about how to manage a virtual and work from home workforce when you haven't done that before. But it's, it's being in there, having those conversations with the business owners that are your clients and being their trusted advisor, because that's where you find the opportunities our MSP in 2008, 2009, you know, my, my former business partner was great at communicating with our MSP clients and he ended up doing all of that communication, tripping on an opportunity with another business owner in town who was starting a consulting business for manufacturing companies that ended up developing into another half of our business. And um, we did custom software development for ERP systems, but it came out of those conversations and building those relationships. This is great. Tell us a little bit about Gozinta and what you do with MSPs. Gozinta formed out of that custom software business that I talked about. And when our MSP was implementing ConnectWise, we ended up building accounting integrations and some other integrations between Manage and these accounting systems. One of those integrations is our Mobius Connect for QuickBooks Online product, which over 800 MSPs use to keep their accounting data in sync between Manage and QuickBooks Online. Uh, Since then, we've also developed a product that we call Text, which is a text messaging version of the Manage email connector, which people are finding very useful right now with all of the work from home because now their customers can text from their cell phone, which has become their second screen since they often just have a laptop screen at home and they can text their MSP, but it's going onto their ticket in Manage and so it's trackable. That's great. Heather, can you give us your website address, please? www.gozinta.com. Gozinta is G-O-Z-Y-N-T-A. We make your accounting data goes into the places it needs to go. That's very clever. (laughs) Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Ask Paul anything. 
Hey Paul, as an IT company, we have nerdy products and services to sell. How can I get my social media following excited and talking or interacting with our page when typically IT products and services are not very cool for non-tech heads like us? That was Jason Watts from Neveco. Thank you so much for your question, Jason. And it really is a great question to ask. How do we get people who don't really care about technology to care about it, to think that it's cool? And I don't think that we can, to be honest, because, you know, everyone's got technology embedded in their life. Their phone is in their hand 27 hours a day. They use their laptops. Technology now is so cool and there are so many cool things that you can do with it that it's kind of become routine, hasn't it? It's not like it was in the the good old late 90s or early noughties when we got so excited because you could actually rename something, you know, just by clicking 17 buttons instead of clicking 25 buttons. Technology is so, so adaptable and advanced and cool and any problem you've got these days you can just google it god you don't even need to use your fingers you can just tell your smart speaker to google something and there's a solution out there for it and i think the net effect of this is that it's no longer cool and for, for you it is for me it is everything's everything's cool because technology is wonderful but for ordinary people the prospects and the decision makers that we want to influence it's not cool and i don't think they get excited by it in the way that we do Jason, I don't think, to be honest, that we can make them excited about it because if they're just a bit blasé about it, then, you know, we're not going to change their state of mind. So instead, what we have to focus on is not the technology itself, but what it can do for them. And you've got to pick up every single solution that you're trying to talk about, every single new gadget or piece of tech and ask yourself, what can this do for them? How is this going to influence them? What's this going to do to improve their lives? In fact, with all marketing, we've got to look at things not from our point of view, but we've got to look at it from the point of view of the people that we're trying to influence and constantly asking ourselves what's in it for them. Why is this important to them? Why do they care about this? You do this on your website. You do this on your social media. You do this with your email marketing. You do it with any interactions you have with prospects. What's in it for them? And I think that's the only way you can make it interesting for these ordinary people by looking at it from their point of view. How to contribute to the show. Now, you could probably hear from Jason's question there that he literally sat down, recorded me a bit of audio and sent it over to me. And I thank you so much for doing that, Jason, and everyone else who's done that. Now, I'd love to feature your question on a future episode. All you have to do is grab your phone, fire up the audio recorder and then just email that through to me and I'll answer it in a future episode. I will tell you when I'm answering it as well so you can make sure to listen to your voice on the podcast. The email address is hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Coming up next week. We're trying to figure out a way to make it very easy for end users to put in tickets. That's Alex Pimenta from Help Desk Buttons. Now, this is something we mentioned back in episode 19. They're physical buttons that your users can press when they need to summon support. A very clever idea. And we're going to be talking to Alex and his colleague Elizabeth Copeland next week about how they invented the idea and how you can use it to market your MSP. We're also going to be talking about the immense impact of price increases and why you should be constantly nudging your prices up. And we'll be talking as well about the wheel of life. Business is so important and so consuming that you have to remember all the other things that you need to have for a healthy balance. See you in next week's episode. 
Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.